quiet your mind. Extra, extra, Dawn of Mantis update. Summerton Man identity revealed. So we're in a place I never thought we would be. We've joked around about this before, but one of our true crime cases is actually solved. And I didn't ever think it would be this one, it being such an old case. I know. Isn't it bizarre? I mean, I thought it'd be one of the newer ones. Yeah. What in the heck? Well, so this early, early, early on in the podcast, we covered this. I think it was episodes eight and nine. Oh, wow. And I don't know what dates those are. I'm going to look real quick while I'm talking so I can... You got it. Sam's got it. I bet it was a long time ago. It's been years ago. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to go out on a limb. But we covered the case of the Summerton man and who the hell was this guy. We even had skits in the, at the <sighs> beginning of both episodes. We sure did, didn't we? <laughs> I re-listened to one of those episodes today at work. Yeah. Our Australian accents are horrific. <laughs> yep. What, what's the dates? October and November 2018. Yeah. So that long ago. Almost four years ago. Wow. And so this has been solved. If you really want to know what we're talking about in the full context, go back and listen to those episodes. Sure. And then come back to this. A researcher, and I'm. this is not something I wrote. This is an article that was sent to us by a fellow Australian to this man, our friend Ken. He sent us this article, and he let us know that this had been solved. Yeah. A researcher in the case of the Summerton Man says he has solved the decades-old mystery identifying the figure as a Melbourne-born electrical engineer named Carl Webb. Carl Webb. Yes. The University of Adelaide researcher Derek Abbott believes the unknown man slumped and lifeless at Adelaide's Summerton Beach on December 1st and uh, on 1948 was Carl Webb, a 43-year-old engineer and instrument maker. The case has long baffled detectives and podcasters and amateur (laughs) sleuths and is regarded as one of Australia's most enduring mysteries because of strange clues linked to it, uh, including a suspected code and a book of Persian poems. That's the Tamam Shud and the code. Yeah, I uh, remember all that. Well, sort of. Yeah, it's been a few years. Yeah, Yeah, but I remember (laughs) you talking about that. While the mystery man's remains were exhumed last year by South Adelaide Police... Professor Abbott has, in the meantime, persisted with his own independent efforts to crack the case. He said after using hairs from a plaster bust, the man, of the man, sorry, to gather DNA evidence, it's always DNA, researchers in Australia and America had further narrowed the search to build out a family tree containing over 4,000 people. Working in conjunction with U.S. investigator Colleen Fitzpatrick, Professor Abbott said that in March this year, suspicions fell on Webb, who was born in 1905 but later identified as, quote, a person with no death record. Professor Abbott, who last week spoke to the ABC about his work, what is the ABC? I'm just reading an article, so. Added, the final pieces of DNA proof came into place on Saturday, triangulating to Charles Webb. That is Carl. Professor Abbott said that Webb was born in Footscray on November 16th, 1905 to Richard August Webb and Eliza Amelia Morris Grace. He said their investigations had also found a link to the name T. Keene, which was printed on Summerton Man's tie. We talked about that. Mm -hmm. K-E-A-N-E, because that was one of the clues. Sure. It turns out that Carl Webb has a brother-in-law named Thomas Keene who lived just 20 minutes drive from Victoria. So it's not out of the question that these items of clothing that had T. Keen on them were hand-me-downs. 
Because remember we said back in the day, clothing was repaired, it was passed down, it was passed along, it was way more durable, and it lasted a lot longer. Yeah. And everyone seemed to write their name or initials in their clothing. Okay. Was it probably send it to the dry cleaners or whatever? Yes. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And so that's where the tea keen probably, everything just fell right into place. Okay. Professor Abbott also said there was a potential explanation as to why Melbourne, uh, this Melbourne resident was born in Adelaide. We have evidence, he said, that he had separated from his wife and that she had moved to South Australia, so possibly he had come to track her down. Mm. That they're just trying to figure out reasons sure. he could have been in the area. Yeah. Professor Abbott said the team had used popular genealogical DNA databases, yeah, like Ancestry.com, 23andMe, to find Mr. Webb's distant relatives. The first cousin we found was on his paternal side, and the second one we found was on his maternal side, Okay, they said. So it's a triangulation from two different, totally distant parts of the tree, and that's very convincing. He said he tracked down and spoke to Mr. Webb's living relatives. I've spoken to them, I'm quoting him now, except they're all of a generation well below him, and so none of them knew him personally, and have no photos in their old family albums or in their garden sheds, unfortunately. He continued, I'm hoping as his name gets out there, there will be somebody that will have an old photo album in a garden shed somewhere. He added that there was sufficient DNA evidence to definitely disprove any links with his wife, Rachel Egan, whose father, ballet dancer Robin Thompson, was believed to have potentially been a, dis a descendant of the Somerton man. The fact that he, which is this Thompson fellow, has a rare dental and ear condition matching the Somerton man appears to be extraordinary coincidence. Because we talked about the Somerton man had a slender, like, muscular build, mm -hmm. and he had defined calves, so there was all these theories that he was a ballet dancer. Yeah. And, you know, all these different things. Oh, that's crazy. Professor Abbott said, after more than a decade on the case, the discovery felt like summiting a mountain. He said, quote, it feels like climbing Mount Everest and having that mixture of elation that you're at the top, but also tiredness and exhaustion. So, yeah, that's basically the whole, it's pretty much Charles Webb. I don't know, how do you then explain the things that was found on his person, on his body? Like, there was different objects from various countries that were weird. I think there was, like, a comb from America and some different things from Ireland and different countries that, that kind of made yeah. people confused. yeah. And then the poem, like there was the weird slip of paper in his pocket that had this weird poem. Yeah, and weren't there something with like electrical schematics or... Yeah. And they thought that was some kind of cryptic... I think they found something on him that led them back to a, a suitcase that he checked at a train station that they found some, some items in that was confusing. Yeah. What they won't say probably is after our episode, a bunch of those... Fancy researcher DNA people. <laughs> We're like, hey, let's look into that. Those guys have a point. This is interesting. See, we don't get any credit for that. I know. After listening to Dawn of Mantis episodes eight and nine, we oh, decided <laughs> we've got to crack this case. What if like, oh, we should frame it like Ken heard it, who lives in Adelaide. And then he talked about it to his sister, who then talked about it to her boss, who then talked about it to a guy who knows the the a detective who then was like, yeah, let's look into this again. Bada bing, bada boom. We solved it. You're welcome. Ken's probably like, he'll, he'll be like, yeah, that all sounds good, but uh, leave me out of it. <laughs> <laughs> if 
could maybe tie it without me. I've got a music career I'm working on, so uh, yeah. Okay, I know a girl named Tracy who also lives in Australia. There we go. We'll blame it on her. Yeah, we'll just keep... <laughs> we're going to run out of people we know from Australia eventually. I just did. I only know two. Okay. <laughs> okay. I don't know. Let's say we started this whole thing. Let's do it. Why not? I'll take credit for it. Let's do it. You're welcome. Yeah. We are on the ground floor of this thing. We were. <laughs> I mean, well, I, I guess we weren't really because yeah. it was a long time ago. Yeah. 40 years before. No, wait. What was it? 1948? Was that the year? So, you know, 30-something years before we were born. Yeah, we did it. Episode, two episodes way before it was in the mainstream That's media. Right. We, we we That's right. There we go. We did it before it was cool. That's right. Maybe they'll definitively figure out meat rain or something, you know? <laughs> There's hope. One of, more of these things can be solved as long as we just keep podcasting until we're in our 90s. Three or four might be solved by then. Hey, we've already had one in four years. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a high percentage. <laughs> hey, so since this is going to be so short because it's just a little update episode, can I now tell a story that has all to do with it? Sure. Okay. This uh, this is the story that I said earlier that I was oh, going to yeah, tell yeah, you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I may as well tell you and then also share it with the world. So this is I'm raising a diabolical little sociopath. Uh oh. I love her to death. My toddler. Here we go. <laughs> She's four and a half. The kid will still not poop on the potty. Oh, really? Absolutely refuses it. For months, we've been begging her. We've been promising her. You poop in the potty. We'll buy you anything. Yeah. We'll we'll throw a party. We'll <laughs> whatever you want to eat. Whatever. I don't care. You poop today. Tomorrow we're driving to Disneyland. <laughs> it's just do it. And she always is like, nah, no. <laughs> so a few weeks, maybe it's been a couple of months ago. He said, you know what? We're not even putting you. If you need to go on the potty or if you need to poop, if you're not going to go on the potty, you you take your underwears off. You put on a pull up. You do it all yourself. We'll clean you up. But, but you know, we're not yeah. putting a diaper on you. Anymore. Yeah. So she has been. When she's, if she's got a poop, she'll go in there. She'll open up the thing, put her pull up on herself, stand there and poop, and then go, Dad, you know, and then we'll change it. So Friday, I get a call from my mother-in-law. Guess what? Oh, my God. Happy day. Hands in the air like you just don't care. She just pooped in the potty. She didn't even say anything to anybody. She just went in there and did it and then came out and said, Mammy, I got a surprise for you. And she showed her. So I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. I can't believe it. No, I, we, we're so weird. We were even like, don't flush it. So she left it in there for like four hours till we got home from work. We're going to bronze cast it. <laughs> my wife and I, we opened it up. There it was. Oh, my God, baby G, you did so awesome. And she's like, yay. And I'm like, we're going to town. I loaded her up. We went to uh, we went to the store. And I was like, "You pick out all the toys you want." Thank God she just picked out like Barbies and some small stuff. I ended up yeah. spending like fifty bucks. We got some toys. Pick. We're gonna have a poo party tonight. Pick out a cake. She picked out a strawberry cake. Man, it was awesome. Wasn't chocolate? No, no should have been, but it was chocolate. That's okay. <laughs> and so it'll we be get chocolate home. later. We have our poo party. It was awesome. We're so proud of her. Then Saturday comes. Now we're all home with her. Uh, she comes into the bedroom and she's like, hey, guys, I got poop. I'm like, hey, cool. Go on the potty again, just like yesterday. And she's like, hmm, okay. Okay. And so we're like, wow, that was weird. Why did she act reticent to go on there I know again? exactly why. I know. You you know. So, uh, Well, it's easy for me because I'm away from the situation. Right. Yeah. We're still in it. We're no, like, well, but I weird. mean, I'm not in your situation. What I mean is, like, <laughs> I'm seeing it. Yeah. And I'm hearing it in a story. Right. Me. But keep going, keep going. 
Okay, so we're like, well, go ahead and go. And then when you're done, holler at us, whatever. So, okay. So me and my wife go about our own thing. After a while, she comes out of the bathroom. She's like, done. Pooped in the potty. We walked in there. There it is, in the potty. Yay! Yes! Then my wife looks over into the trash can, and she sees a pull-up. Well, that's weird. She looks in the pull-up. There's some poo remnants in there. Oh, no. She goes, uh, baby G, why is this pull-up here? And you can see the toddler. She just changes. She's like, oh. And my wife goes, what did you do? And she goes, I put on a pull-up and I pooped in it and then I dumped it in the potty. And then we're like, oh my God. And then we realize with horror, did you do that yesterday? <laughs> and she goes, yes. So this little the kid. shake and score, <laughs> right? <laughs> she orchestrated the whole thing the whole time we're high-fiving her, spending money on her, buying toys, having cake. She knows in that little brain, it's all a lie. Yeah. It's a big, fat lie. That's when she learned about guilt. Yeah. <laughs> or learned about manipulation. <laughs> yeah, because I don't think she had guilt. She was just like, I'm so proud of you. And she was like, yeah. You know, she was eating it up that night. And then it was the next day when she tried it again. She was going to, I don't know how long she was going to try to do this. Have you had this thought? You know what was in that poop? <laughs> Strawberry cake. <laughs> That's lie cake. It's dishonest it's, cake. It's a lie poop. <laughs> oh, man. So that's our story, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. how we caught her. That's crazy. <laughs> so that's... Because this is like you walk a mile to save 10 feet, you know? <laughs> she went, yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, she pees on the potty. Yeah. We're like, you're already sitting there. It's so easy just to... And she's like, no. She's just like scared to do it. I'm going to have a 14-year-old that's still <laughs> wearing diapers, man. I don't... Oh, my God. My first kid no, was so won't. easy one day. She was just like... She was like barely three. And one day she was just like, ew. And she didn't want to go in the diaper anymore it was so easy with her it was she did it herself yeah this one is like she will look you dead in the eye and say i will never poop in the potty she she's just like she's she's drawn the line in the sand <laughs> man and and she has let us know you should so. maybe use the bidet like <laughs> if you poop you get a spray that could be the reward oh speaking of that yesterday she walked over to the bidet First time she's ever noticed it, it's been there for how long? And she grabbed that knob, and I was like, don't do it. And she went full blast and just hosed the whole yeah. wall down. Sagan's on that twice. <laughs> Mine sprays right on my window in the bathroom, it does. and water just runs on. He's done it like three times. He thinks it's hilarious. <laughs> Sam had the idea to turn it to the clean mode, and he hasn't figured out. Oh, yeah. He doesn't use my bathroom. He uses the other one. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, so that was, that was thanks for that, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> Bidet, mate. Oh, yeah, that's a bidet. <laughs> I talked over. You have to cut me out. There we go. <laughs> that's a great story. Yeah. Summerton Man update, also poo story. Yeah. You only get that at Dawn of Mantis. If we could have more updates, then we could have an update and a story. But <laughs> it's going to be years. It might be another four years. It might be another okay. four years. I'm, I'm going to think of a story, and I'm going to sit on it, and then I'm going to wait. And next update, it's my turn for a story. <laughs> Then Sam could go, and in five or six years, we'll have a few stories out there, too. There we go. It'll happen eventually. It will. <laughs> I'm hopeful. All right, yeah. Great mini episode. Great story, Joe. Yeah, man. Hey, we got a few minutes out of this. So, yeah, that's the Summerton Man update. First update we've ever had. 
We know who this cat is. Carl Webb, may you rest in peace. Still not sure how the dude ended up dead on the beach. Well, yeah, but that's for a future episode, maybe. Sure. Hopefully. Yeah. Update on all the other ones. Still unsolved, <laughs> if, if you're wondering. Every one of them. Every, Every one, one of them. <laughs> sure, yeah. Just this one's solved. That's it. Velisca, yeah. Never. Oh, yeah. The, dude, I don't know if that one will ever be. That was, what, 1912? Yeah. yeah. Something like that. I don't think that one's ever. That's the one I want solved more than anything. Yeah. Though. Yeah, but unfortunately, that's also the one where everybody in the town just walked through the house like, "Oh, this is a nice piece of skull. I'll just take home for a souvenir." It's a long so. time before CSI came out. <laughs> yeah, don't disrupt the scene. That's right. This one was like, "Hey, we're gonna form a line right through here, like Graceland. Just yeah. <laughs> walk through here and take a look around." Yeah, I feel bad for a guy that was like ahead of his time, and he's like, "I'm gonna sweep for fibers," and they're like, "No, don't even. <laughs> yeah. You're gonna get the entire town as a suspect." Yeah. That's the Summerton Man update. And some other things. And some other randomness. Hey, if you're with us on episode 180, whatever the hell, you are good with randomness. So there you are. Yeah. All right. So whatever. All right. Summerton Man was Carl Webb. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. <laughs>